section six of shakespeare identified this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. shakespeare identified in edward de vere by j thomas looney the stratfordian view part five we come now to william shakespeare's middle period sandwiched in between two inglorious stratford periods what are the actual facts of his london career in reference to the works which have made him famous it is not as an actor nor as a stage or theatre manager the latter being a purely hypothetical vocation nor even as a writer of plays for the contemporary stage but as the author of literary works that he has won renown as such sir sidney lee assures us that he had no hand in the publication of any of the plays attributed to him but uncomplainingly submitted to the wholesale piracy of his plays and the ascription to him of books by other hands the absence of all participation in the publication of plays which as literature have immortalized his name is certainly a huge gap in his literary records to begin with again although it has been found necessary to ascribe the first composition of plays to the years fifteen ninety to fifteen ninety two otherwise time could not have been found for their production the first of the series was not published until fifteen ninety seven nor any with shakespeare's name attached until fifteen ninety eight before that time however new place stratford had become william shakespeare's established residence there is no doubt that new place stratford was henceforward from fifteen ninety seven to be accepted as his established residence early in the following year on february the fourth fifteen ninety eight he is returned as the holder of ten quarters of corn in the chapel street ward that in which the newly acquired property was situated and in future indentures he is never described as a londoner but always as william shakespeare of stratford-on-avon halliwell phillips thenceforward his land property and tithes purchases along with the fact that in sixteen o four he takes legal action to enforce payment of a debt for malt which he had been supplying for some months past are circumstances much more suggestive of permanent residence in stratford with the occasional visit maybe to london than of permanent residence in london with occasional trips to stratford the duration of this middle period is therefore most uncertain even on the assumption that he was the author of the plays authorities differ by at least eight years respecting the date at which it closed 
1604-1612 and when the date furnished by that assumption is rejected as it must be in an inquiry like the present the margin of uncertainty becomes considerably enlarged the absence of definite information respecting the limits of this london period is certainly another serious omission from the records of the incidents of his life in london professor sir walter raleigh tells us nothing is known he lodged at one time in bishopsgate and later on in southwark we know this not because lords and ladies in their coaches drove up to the door of the famous man nor because of anything else which could be called a personal incident but because he was a defaultant taxpayer for two amounts of five shillings and thirteen shillings four pence respectively for whom the authorities were searching in fifteen ninety eight ignorant of the fact that he had moved some years before from bishopsgate to southwark evidently then he was not at that time living in the public eye and mixing freely in dramatic and literary circles sir sidney lee tells us that shakespeare with great magnanimity ultimately paid the money if the claimant had been a private individual there might have been generosity in paying an account which could not legally be enforced but it is not easy to associate magnanimity with the paying of taxes we must suppose then that either the money was due or was paid to save trouble if the money were due then william shakespeare had been trying to defraud if the money were not due one is a little curious to know what special inconveniences could have arisen from his contesting the claim every record we have of him proves that he was not the kind of man to submit to an illegal exaction without very substantial reasons the point is a small one by itself in connection with the general mysteriousness of his london movements however it has its proper significance the absence of precise information respecting the actual location period and form of his established residence in london is yet another of the great gaps in the record from the time when he was described as william shakespeare of stratford-upon-avon fifteen ninety seven there is no proof that he was anywhere domiciled in london whilst the proofs of his domiciliation in stratford from this time forward are irrefutable and continuous clearly our conceptions of his residency in london are in need of complete revision it would appear that an attempt has been made to construct a london career for him out of materials furnished by the meagre particulars known of his actual life combined with the necessities of the assumed authorship and from this material it has not been possible to form a consistent picture 
in order to bring out this fact more clearly we shall place together two sentences from halliwell phillips's outlines Quote, it was not till the year fifteen ninety seven that shakespeare's public reputation as a dramatist was sufficiently established for the booksellers to be anxious to secure the copyright of his plays in the spring of this year fifteen ninety seven the poet made his first investment in realty by the purchase of new place which was henceforward to be accepted as his residence End quote. we are consequently faced with this peculiar situation that what has been regarded as the period of his highest fame in london began at the same time as his formal retirement to stratford and whilst there is undoubted mystery connected with his place or places of abode in london there is none connected with his residence in stratford a curious fact in this connection is that the only letter that is known to have been addressed to him in the whole course of his life was one from a native of stratford addressed to him in london which appears amongst the records of the stratford corporation and which was no doubt forwarded by hand to shakespeare whilst in london otherwise the locality of residence would have been added halliwell phillips evidently his fellow townsmen who wished to communicate with him in london were unaware of his residence there and the fact that this letter was discovered amongst the archives of the stratford corporation suggests that it had never reached the addressee it also permits of the alternative supposition already mentioned that having received it he was nevertheless unable to read it notwithstanding the superior quality of its penmanship and was obliged to forward it to his lawyer in stratford who resided in shakespeare's house there at all events the only letter known to have been addressed to him in the whole course of his life adds to the mysteriousness of his lodging in london altogether our efforts to come to close grips with the period of his greatest fame on the solid ground of authenticated fact have yielded most unsatisfactory results we have no positive knowledge of his being in london before fifteen ninety two the year of green's attack in which he is accused of beautifying himself in the feathers of others along with an innuendo suggesting that he was an uncultivated man a rude groom and a usurer and we have no record of actual residence in london after fifteen ninety six when according to a memorandum by allen he lodged near the bear garden in southwark this is precisely the time at which his father who resided at stratford acting it is generally agreed upon william shakespeare's initiative made his first attempt to obtain a coat of arms on false pretenses the following year saw his purchase of new place 
stratford and as in the next year he is returned as one of the largest holders of corn in stratford everything points to this being the actual time at which he established himself in his native town if we may so dignify the stratford of that day the definitely assured london period appears then to be shrinking from twenty to a mere matter of four years fifteen ninety two to fifteen ninety six during which there is not a single record of his personal activities beyond the appearance of his name in a list of actors but evidently much mystery as to his actual whereabouts the literary references to the poems we shall treat separately it was in this period that venus and lucrece appeared fifteen ninety three and fifteen ninety four respectively and it was in this period that the great man who was supposed to have produced these famous poems eluded the vigilance of the tax-gatherer the bishopsgate levy of october fifteen ninety six as well as that of fifteen ninety eight is now shown to have been based on an assessment made as early as fifteen ninety three or fifteen ninety four payment was obviously sought at the later dates in ignorance of the fact that shakespeare that is to say shakespeare s h a k s p e r e had by that time left st helens bishopsgate long since for south london sir sidney lee according to modern stratfordians he lived in london as a famous man for sixteen years after this fifteen ninety six to sixteen twelve without betraying his settled place of residence in fifteen ninety seven the publication of the plays begins in real earnest in fifteen ninety eight they began to appear with shakespeare's name attached from then till sixteen o four was the period of full flood of publication during william shakespeare's lifetime and this great period of shakespearean publication fifteen ninety seven to sixteen o four corresponds exactly with william shakespeare's busiest period in stratford in fifteen ninety seven he began the business connected with the purchase of new place complications ensued and the purchase was not completed till sixteen o two in fifteen ninety eight he procured stone for the repair of the house and before sixteen o two had planted a fruit orchard sidney lee in fifteen ninety seven his father and mother doubtless under their son's guidance began a lawsuit for the recovery of the mortgaged estate of asby's in wilmcote which dragged on for some years sidney lee between fifteen ninety seven and fifteen ninety nine he was rebuilding the house stocking the barns with grain and conducting various legal proceedings sidney lee in sixteen o one his father died and he took over his father's property on may first sixteen o two 
he purchased one hundred seven acres of arable land in september sixteen o two and walter getley transferred to the poet a cottage and garden which were situated at chapel lane opposite the lower grounds of new place as early as fifteen ninety eight abraham sturley had suggested that shakespeare william shakespeare should purchase the tithes of stratford in sixteen o five he completed the purchase of an unexpired term of these tithes in july sixteen o four in the local court at stratford he sued philip rogers whom he had supplied since the preceding march malt to the value of one pound nineteen shillings ten pence and on june twenty fifth lent two shillings in cash in a personal record from which so much is missing we may justly assume that what we know of his dealings in stratford forms only a small part of his activities there consequently to the contention that this man was the author and directing genius of the magnificent stream of dramatic literature which in those very years was bursting upon london the business record we have just presented would in almost any court in the land be deemed to have proved an alibi the general character of these business transactions even to such touches as lending the trifling sum of two shillings to a person to whom he was selling malt is all suggestive of his own continuous day-to-day -day contact with the details of his stratford business affairs whilst the single money transaction which connects him with london during these years the recovery of a debt of seven pounds from john clayton in sixteen hundred might easily be the result of a short visit to the metropolis or merely the work of an agent the licenses granted in sixteen o three to the company of actors in which shakespeare's name appears would not necessitate his presence and the fact that his name as it appears in these documents is spelt s h a k e s p e a r e that is to say the same as in the printed editions of the plays whilst this spelling is not that of his own signatures nor of some of the important stratford documents bears out the suggestion that these matters were arranged by the same person as was responsible for the publication of the plays although as we have already pointed out william shakespeare had no hand in that publication moreover these licenses were not for immediate use but for when the plague shall decrease as further his name occurs second it is clear that he was not the directing head of the company of players whilst then everything about william shakespeare's records suggests that he was settled permanently at stratford during the important years of the publications of the plays everything about the plays themselves betokens an author 
living at the time in intimate touch with the theatrical and literary life of london so strong is the presumption in favor of this latter fact that no writer of any school has yet ventured to suggest the contrary in attributing the authorship to william shakespeare it has been imperative to assume a settled residence in london during these fateful years the utmost that could be allowed was an occasional journey to stratford and this notwithstanding the mysteriousness of his whereabouts and doings in london the fact of his always being described as of stratford never of london and the large amount and special character of his stratford business affairs if then william shakespeare the reputed author of the works was not sent off to stratford to be out of the way at the time when the literary public was being interested in the plays he has certainly contrived matters so as to make it appear that such was the case and thus to justify the strongest suspicion on this ground alone that the famous dramas were not of his composing it is from a consideration of the manner of publication that sir sidney lee concludes that william shakespeare had no part in the work on the other hand we arrive at precisely the same conclusion from a consideration of the circumstances of his life in the present instance on the grounds of what we are entitled to claim as an alibi it is certainly interesting that two totally different sets of considerations should lead to precisely the same conclusion although approached from two different standpoints and with different intentions leaving but little room for doubt as to the soundness of the common conclusion whilst then we agree that william shakespeare had no hand in the publication of this literature to maintain that its actual author if living in no way shared in any part of the work is the kind of belief which practical men in touch with life would hardly acknowledge without serious misgiving end of section six recording by lucretia b